Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We're studying the subject of faith for my life. Everybody say faith for my life. I'm believing God that some of these principles and precepts of faith, that especially if you've been struggling with any of them, will take hold in your spirit. I think one of the greatest issues that we've had in teaching faith, and that's not just here at Island Church, but you know, for 35 years that I've been teaching it all over the world, is that we view faith many times as a product, a spiritual product, of, of a source in which we keep kind of on our spiritual shelf. And say, well, you know, things are going okay. You know, we really don't need faith. You know, we go to church, read our Bibles, pray. And, you know, but now if I'm attacked with sickness or disease or if I'm attacked with a, a financial issue or something like that, well, I'm going to get my faith down and I'm going to use it. So what I, I've kind of viewed it like this over the years, where faith many times is an effort on the part of the believer. It should quit being an effort and start becoming a lifestyle. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're not fighting off any sickness or disease or fighting off any financial problem or, or fighting off something in your life, you ought to be stretching your faith out to receive something. Actually, that's where faith works best. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, stretch your faith out. Believe God. Talk to the Lord. See what He has for you. Say, what do you mean by that? Man, when I started talking to God and He started telling me what He had for me, I started going, oh, my goodness. I mean, literally, I got to the point many times when I couldn't believe it. I thought, Lord, you really want me to have that? I remember one time I told him, Lord, I can't afford that. The Lord told me, I didn't ask you if you could afford it. I asked you if you could, you believe me for it. Amen. 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 So you find out faith has a different way of talking. Faith has a different way of looking at things. And faith has a different action to it. So we ought to always be involved in something that has to... I should be able to walk up to you and say, what do you believe in God for? And you just say, well, you know, I believe in God for this and that and this and just have scriptural reference and here's where I'm standing, here's where I've been acting on it. I just say, well, I just rejoice with you. I believe I receive with you and you'll have it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? That's the way it should be for every believer. Now, First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 1. We read this last week and I felt to go back to it again. First 3, and let me read through it. Then I want to point out some things in the Amplified Bible. King James reads like this, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, everybody say all things, that pertain unto life and godliness, that through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now notice the phrase, through the knowledge of him. Do you see that? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises but that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust and, this, and besides this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Now let me read this in the Amplified then I'll read a couple of notes that I wrote and then we'll go somewhere else. In verse 3 it says for His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness. Glory to God. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Now notice, we pointed this out last week. This is past tense. This is past tense. I'll come back to that in just a minute. All things that pertain unto life and godliness... 
Let me find it here. For His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to, to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of Him who called us by and to His own glory and excellent virtue. By means of these, He has bestowed upon us His precious and exceeding great promises so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay and rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed. And become sharers, now listen to this, and become sharers and partakers of the divine nature. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort. Now let me read that again. Employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellence, resolution, and Christian energy. And in, in exercising virtue, develop knowledge and intelligence. Now that is a mouthful. Wouldn't you agree? That's powerful. If we just really had that stored in our revelation bank, it changes forever. Now, here's something that I want you to conclude. I want you to take these scriptures, go home, read them, study, meditate, and all. But here's the conclusion we must make. The effort we put into trying to get God to do something for us needs to be done away with. Now let me try that again. Now, now I know, listen, this goes totally opposite to Christianity. Now let me say that again. This goes totally opposite to what I would call normal Christian denominational thinking. Because basically, normal Christian denominational thinking is crying out to God, God, could you, is there any way, is there any way you could do something for me? Is there any way? My body's sick, my finances are messed up, I have this addiction, I have this problem, is there any way? Lord, is there any way? I heard some old preacher say, he heard a guy praying, praying like this, somehow, some way, Lord, somehow, some way, Lord, somehow, some way, Lord. Then he actually said, like this, by hook or crook. <laughs> if you leave this surface with nothing else but this one thought in your heart today, you will have gained something great. You don't have to talk God into anything. Amen. I said you don't have to talk God into anything. I mean, when people come forward for salvation, we don't spend agonizing, oh, Lord, would you save this man? Would you save this woman? They've come to Island Church today. They've heard the gospel preached. They've responded to the altar call. So we're crying out for yourself. You don't have to do that. It's already supplied. Amen. He's already given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness that through the precious promises of God, I love this word, we might be partakers. Now listen, I want that participation, that partaker level to increase. Everybody say, I want more. Say, I want more. Now I heard somebody say, well, you don't want to be greedy. I'm greedy. I'm not greedy for more money. I'm not greedy for more fame. I'm, not, I'm greedy for more of Jesus. Now, this is a key right here. 
in recognizing and realizing that it is not the knowledge of what you want, it is the knowledge of Him that gets you what you want. Amen. Now let me say that again. It's not the knowledge of what, sometimes the knowledge of what we want, it, it weighs so heavy. It's so big. But God wants to replace that with the knowledge of Him. And as you gain in the knowledge of Him, it's amazing how what you want just seems to either go away or get answered. Because if God doesn't want want it for you, you don't want it. And if God wants it for you, then it's the knowledge of Him that's going to get it. Because He's already supplied it. Amen. Amen. Now, go if you will. I want to show you something. Go to Philippians. We'll go to Philippians and we'll try to make it back to Hebrews. But everybody say this. I'm not going to get it. I've already got it. And my faith is going to get it for me. It's that simple. Now, the Apostle Paul, who we know did not start out as an apostle, he started out as a rascal. Amen. Persecuting the church, doing all kinds of, uh, of, of bad things, and then all of a sudden uh, God arrested him on the road to Damascus and he got born again. Not only did he get born again, he became, uh, he's not an apostle of the Lamb, as were the twelve or the eleven, and uh, one hanged himself and they elected another, uh, but he became what I like to call the apostle of the covenant. Amen. He's the apostle of the case, the one that, that, that penned and got the revelation for the covenant that we lived in. Now remember this, because sometimes this needs to be rehearsed. The majority of Christianity is set up on about 400-year-old teachings that come from two different men. Two different men that went to the same Bible school at the same time, both came out with two different conclusions. One of them ended up in what's called the predestination doctrine that it really doesn't matter what goes on. Everything's predestined. What's going to happen is going to happen. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Wrong. And the other one came up with a works doctrine. We see it in a lot of the old Pentecostal doctrines where, you know, if, you, if women wear makeup or if you, you, know, you, you lose your salvation three times a week, got to come to church, get saved again. Both of them were wrong. And most of the major denominations that Christianity is in America today is set up on that teaching. But we are not teaching that and have never taught that here at Island Church. What we teach is the letters that are written to the church because that is what is relevant to us as believers. It is what God says about us, what we have in Christ, who we are in Christ, and what we can do in Christ. Amen. Now, God gave that to the Apostle Paul. I know of a, of a professor at a, at a particular theology school, very prestigious theology school, made this statement. He said, I wish I could take and rip out all of the letters to the church. The reason is, is because you have to have the Holy Ghost to understand them. It's only the Spirit of God that can lead you and guide you into the truth of who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ. And it has nothing to do with predestination and has nothing to do with works. It has to do with grace. And God gave Paul such overwhelming grace by pulling Saul of Tarsus out of that lifestyle and putting him into the ministry. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, he's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of doing a little inventory of his life. Look at verse 7. Chapter 3, verse 7. Ah, back, back, back up a little bit. Go to verse 4. It says, Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, uh, he, he might trust in the flesh, I more. So what he's basically saying is, listen, I'm fixing to give you my pedigree. 
That's what he's saying. I'm fixing to give you my pedigree. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, of the, of the uh, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. Now what is he saying? He said, I'm telling you, if you could achieve it spiritually under that covenant, I did it. I did it. I was a Pharisee. I lived my righteousness was from the law. I saw the church as a threat to, to Judaism, and I persecuted it. But now notice what he says this. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Now notice, this is amazing. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. Now here we go again. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now I'm going to let that settle down just a little bit. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them as dumb. That's not a very, you know, that's kind of crude. That I may win Christ. Now notice this. And being found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is of faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now notice, this is where I want to get to, verse 10. That I may know Him. I looked it up in Weymouth's translation. That was my favorite. It says, I long to know Him. Now listen. These and all the these and thous of, of the King James and the Amplified Version, all the, sometimes we get kind of, you know, we kind of think, well, you know, these things are kind of weighty. And Actually, there's a real simplicity in all of this. There is a knowledge. What if there was a knowledge that you could attain to now think about this for a moment. What if there was a knowledge that you could obtain to? That with that knowledge, you would have complete and total understanding of something like the stock market. Where everything you did in the stock market would cause you to increase tremendously. Every, every trade you made, you made money. You never lost money. You had, you had, you had perfect knowledge of markets, of, of trends, of tradings, of currencies. And you had that knowledge, and with that knowledge, you could make millions or even billions of dollars. I mean, if we were doing a seminar uh, on that tonight that would assure you if after you left that seminar you would have that, how many would line up and even pay thousands of dollars for that information? We're talking about a greater knowledge. <laughs> I said we're talking about a greater knowledge. A greater knowledge than medical knowledge, a greater knowledge than financial knowledge, a greater knowledge. We're talking about a knowledge. Now listen, we're talking about a knowledge that holds all this together. We're talking about a knowledge that keeps the earth rotating in the correct rotation. The sun set in the place that it's supposed to be. The stars in the place that it's supposed to be. Causes the sun to rise in the east and set in the west. Causes the seasons to change. Causes the rain to fall from the sky. We're talking about a knowledge in which all of creation is based upon. You say, now wait a second, Pastor. We're just talking about the knowledge of Jesus. And when people think of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they limit themselves to four books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John think that's all there is. 
Well, we know he was born in a manger. We know that the wise men came and gave him money. We know he went into Egypt. We know he came out of Egypt. We know that when he was 12 years old, you know, he, was, he stayed, at the, stayed at the temple and was, and was uh, talking to the, to the, to the scribes. Uh, we know that at age 30, he was baptized in the Jordan River. We know for three years he had a miracle ministry. We know he died on the cross. We know he rose from the dead. Listen, you must understand that the gospel information about the Lord Jesus Christ is limited. But the information in those letters to the church is unlimited. I like what one preacher said years ago. He said, all the gospel are, gospels are a portrait of Christ painted by the Holy Ghost that shows us Jesus manifesting God's personality, power, and presence. He said, but the, the letters to the church are an x-ray and what you see behind the scenes, you see in the spirit realm, and in the x-ray you see yourself in it. One of the scriptures that the Apostle Paul penned to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 2.20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Did you know that probably caused a lot of arguments? Somebody walking up and saying, now wait a second, I heard you preaching in the conference last week and you were talking about being crucified with Christ. Well, I tell you, I was there. I didn't see you. I saw a thief on one side. I saw a thief on the other. Then I saw Jesus hanging in the middle. I didn't see you. Paul would probably say something like this. You should have looked a little closer at the middle. Because not only was I hanging there, you were hanging there too. You see what I'm saying? Everything that God has done for us in Christ is revealed through that which revealed to the Apostle Paul. And because of that, his letters to the church carry the weight, the power, and the authority of that which God wants every believer to walk in. He wants every one of us to walk in that life, in that life, in that power, in that authority. But it comes from one thing. It comes from a desire for the knowledge. A desire for the knowledge. A desire for the knowledge. Because as the knowledge grows, you grow. Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger on the inside of you. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus bigger on the inside of you than he was this time last year? He needs to be. He needs to be growing. He needs to be growing on the inside of you because he is what? He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now notice this. That I may know Him. Everybody say that I may know Him. That I may know Him is the essence of faith. You say, what do you mean by that? Listen, a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will remove sickness and disease. A knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will remove poverty and lack. A knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will break addictions, will destroy depression. A knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will cause great joy in the heart than the one that has it. Now here's Paul. Now this guy, this is Philippians, this is a prison letter, which means this is the latter part of his life. He's living on a grate over the sewer of Rome. And he's pinning one of his most personal, powerful letters. Now, he could have said something like, well, what I really want is to get out of jail. Amen. Or he could have said, you know, you Philippians, man, you guys supported me financially. You're such a great church. What I really want is to start another church like I did in your city. Acts chapter 19 talks about his supernatural ministry. The Bible says that, 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 that special miracles were wrought by the hands of Paul so that from his body were taken aprons and handkerchiefs when laid on the sick and the demon possessed, they were delivered. He could have said, hey, could we have another healing revival? Wouldn't that be great? 
Man, I tell you, when those special miracles, I was laying hands on people and legs were growing out. I was laying hands on people and eyes were appearing in their sockets. I was laying hands on people and demons were fleeing. I'm telling you, let's have another healing revival. But this is what has to be the basis and the bedrock of who you are as a believer. A thirst, a hunger, and a knowledge for Him. And only by having that thirst and knowledge and hunger for Him can you correctly build the building blocks of faith that operates the way it's designed to. Because everything else is going to be temporal. Everything else is going to be because of greed or covetedness. But if you've got Christ as the foundation on the inside, then everything you believe God for is going to be something He wants you to have and something He wants you to flow in. So he's not talking about bigger churches, special miracles. He's not talking about being free. He's talking about knowing Christ. Now, my, my deal, if I'd have been in the cell next to him, I'd have said, no, wait a second, Paul. You know, I was peeking at your letter you're writing to the Philippians. And you, and you pin this phrase that I may know him, the power of the, resurre- the resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Man, if anybody knows Jesus, you do. You've had dreams. You've had visions. You were caught up to the third heaven. Not only that, even in your salvation. You had such a powerful salvation experience. A light shined from heaven and knocked you off your donkey. I mean, if anybody knows Jesus, you do. Why in the world would you say that I may know him as being the epitaph of your life? Now, you know, Moses was an unusual prophet of God that God used to deliver the nation of Israel. He started his ministry with a murder. That doesn't work. Forty years later, amen, he walked up to a bush that was burning but would not be consumed and a voice spoke out of that bush and we know the rest is history about how he came and he delivered Israel and all that took place. Then he lived out his life and as he's transferring the authority of a nation over to 12 leaders of 12 different tribes and to his servant Joshua, he begins to bring blessing upon them. He's laying on his deathbed. They're bringing people in and he is prophesying and speaking blessing over their life. Deuteronomy, last three chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. Now as he does that, look at, look at the availability of testimony to bless people by. He could have said, I bless you by the God that divided the sea. He could have said, I bless you by the God that, that, that sent the ten plagues upon, upon Egypt. He could have said, I bless you by the God that caused all the Egyptians to take all their gold and silver and give it to you. But he did not do that. As each and one came forward, he blessed them by the good nature of the God that dwelt within the bush. You say, why? Because the, the, the dividing of the sea was for the nation. All the gold and silver was for the nation. The ten plagues was for the nation. But the bush was for him. The Apostle Paul, when you go study the, 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 the sermons he preached in Acts, he would all start them like this. I was on the road to Damascus, and a light shined from heaven, brighter than a... He always would go back to the light, to the road to Damascus, because the Philippian church, the Corinthian church, the Thessalonican church, all of the great churches, the special miracles, that was all for them. That was all God. But the, the light from heaven was for me. It was for me. 
You know, in, in the previous generation, we had some wonderful uh, ministers that we all loved. And uh, many of you that don't know them, it's just kind of what we got, grew up around uh, around here. Uh, men like Kenneth E. Hagan and, and men like uh, Oral Roberts and, and different ones, Dr. Lester Summerall. All of them had very unique testimonies. Uh, both Brother uh, Summerall and Brother Roberts were healed from tuberculosis when they were dying. And in their death experience, they were given visions and talked to by God about ministry and actually lived their life out fulfilling that ministry. Brother Hagen, by the time he was 16 years old, was bedridden. Most of you know his story, but you that don't, was bedridden. And in his old grandmother's Methodist Bible, discovered a scripture, Mark 11, 23, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed in the sea, uh, be, thou, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt what they say, but believe those things which they say shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever they say. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, you shall have it. Amen. He had... Three incurable blood diseases, had paralysis, deformed heart, came off of that deathbed, lived to be, what, 87 years old, and changed the way the world viewed faith. But I don't know how many messages I heard him preach where he started out. Where was it? Three, 503 McKinney Street. 503 something, College Avenue, McKinney, Texas. And he'd start talking about what happened to him on that bed of paralysis. And then he'd cut off of that and start. Uh, a lot of different preachers. We, now here's the thing. What we can determine about the Apostle Paul, about Moses, and about other men and women of God that have lived their life out, that everything that they did was really not what they were aiming to do. Now let me say that again. It was not what they were aiming to do. It was something that happened in the process of them seeking the knowledge of Him. Now let me say that again. I really believe God is literally purging the selfishness out of the churches. You say, what? Because we've been so selfish with faith. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need healing. I need this. I need that. I need this. When faith is designed to reveal the reality of Christ in you, then you take what He has done for you and you take and appropriate for yourself what you need. Amen? So there was an ulterior motive to the ministry of the Apostle Paul. His motive was not the church at Philippi. His church was not the letter to the Hebrews. His, church, his, 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 his motive was not uh, signs, wonders, and miracles. His motive was this being from heaven, God himself, instead of destroying me and squishing me like a bug like he should have, he had mercy on me. And I've lived out my life in ministry searching and seeking and searching and seeking and searching and seeking and searching, not for miracles, not for signs, not for church buildings, not for, no, searching and seeking and searching and seeking for Him. Same thing with Brother Roberts. Same thing with, with, with Dr. Summerall. Same thing with Brother Hagen. I, I knew them personally. I talked to them. Thank God for Rama Bible Training Center. Thank God for Oral Roberts University. They, but that, they were not looking for that. They were looking for Him, for the knowledge of Him. And that which happened in their life was just an offshoot of their search. Now you think about that. In your own life, in our own life, we hear testimonies. You think, oh, the Apostle Paul and, and Moses, oh my God, and, and, and men like Kenneth E. Hagin or, or uh, come on, Pastor. But every one of us 
have our Damascus Road experience. Every one of us were lost, undone, without God, on our own path, doing our own thing. And I'm going to tell you, whether it was spectacular or not, it was supernatural. A light shined from heaven brighter than the noonday sun. And your response to that light has caused you to be born again and brought into the kingdom of God. And now the quest of your life does not need to be for a new car, a new house. Listen, those things will come and go. It needs to be for the knowledge of Him in your life. Now let me close. i got nine minutes. Let me close real quick. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Everybody say Jesus. You ever wonder why we sing about him so much? Why we sing to him so much? Why we tell him we love him so much? Because I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, thank God for your loved ones that have gone before you. Thank God for others you may want to see. But I'm telling you, you'll run past your grandma to get to Jesus. I'm telling you. Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read the King James and I'm going to come back and Look at it in the Amplified, and then we'll close. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now listen to it in the Amplified. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in these last days, but in the last of these days, He has spoken unto us in the person of a son. Now listen to this. Whom He hath appointed, whom He hath appointed, heir and lawful owner of all things. Also by and through whom he created the worlds, the reaches of space, the ages of time. Now listen. He made, produced, operated, and arranged them in order. Now this is God the Father using the Son by his word of power to create everything that exists. He says, it's all mine. I own it all. He creates it all. Are, are you getting this? And then by Him, He upholds it. He maintains it. He propels it. I'll show you that in just a moment. He keeps it all in order. Let me read it again. But in these last days, He has spoken unto us the person of a son, whom he hath appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through whom he created the worlds, the reaches of space, the ages of time, he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. Mm. The light beam, the outrain, or radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, guiding, propelling the universe by His mighty word of power. When he, had lay, when, he had, when, he, when he had by offering Himself accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, 
he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, this is, if you don't get nothing, get this. Now, can you imagine, you think of all the important people that's ever lived. Ain't nobody even in the shadow of this. This is why we live. This is why there is planet Earth. This is why your heart beats in your chest. This is why you inhale, there's air, and when you exhale, there's air. This is why. This is why stars don't crash into the earth. Scientists tell us that the earth was 500 miles one way, we'd burn up. 500 miles the other way, we'd freeze. This is why there's a perfect rotation of the moon around the earth. All of the things, he put them in order, he propels them, he maintains them, he guides them, he energizes them through Jesus, his mighty word of power. Now, can you imagine the importance, the majesty, the glory of this being? Yet he came down on that starry night and was born of a virgin and entered into the natural. He's the one time he creates it, manipulates it, pulls it away. He don't care about time. He can speak his word and universes go into existence. He was born of a virgin and he came into this fallen world and he lived as a human being among us. Peter actually said we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of God. But that would be amazing that he would just visit us. That he would visit his creation. But what he did after that, when he allowed himself to be taken by the priesthood and offered as a sacrifice for our cleansing of sin so that you don't have to spend the rest of your existence outside the realm of time in a place separated from God and His glory. When you think of that, how can you measure love against that? How can you measure glory against How can you? You can't. All you can do is recognize and realize that's how valuable you are to God. That's how much God loves you. That he would send his only begotten son. The one in whom through he made the universe. In whom oxygen exists. In whom our heart has a spark and can beat because of the life of God in us. In every human being. And who would give every opportunity, every person on earth, the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. What mercy. What grace. And the search for him in your life. You know, you can always talk about knowing somebody. You know, people that have gone, you know, how many know Elvis? Everybody knows Elvis. But you don't know Elvis. You know, how many know, know uh, we were watching uh, the weather this morning. They came on the, the TV about the football game last night. They were talking about, uh, uh, what's that football player up in Houston we all like? J.J. Watts, yeah. He's cool. I like him. He's a cool guy, you know. He's benevolent. He's not, you know, he doesn't seem to be a puffed up guy. He just seems to be a cool guy. I like him, you know. But I don't know him. But I know him. But I don't know him. But I don't know him. I know him. But I don't know him. I know him, but I don't know him. The problem is a lot of people are like that with Jesus. I know him. They talk about him at Island Church. I see his name in the book, the Bible. But do you know him? Is the ulterior motive of, of your life to know him? Do you want faith to work? Do you want to be, a, be able to appropriate all that God hath already given us? Just, just existing on the earth and dying and going to heaven 
is really not the real quest of life. The real quest of life is down here in this nasty now and now where everything goes against God, the ways of God, the goodness of God. You rise up as an individual that says, I'm going to know Him. Paul said it like this, I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've delivered to him against that day. You know what he's saying? He's saying everything that God is and everything that Christ is in me, I'm able to deliver up my entire life into his hands. Actually, one translation actually says it like this. I'm able to deliver up my entire life into his hands and not sweat it. You know why you sweat it? Because there's parts of your life that are iron in his hands. But as long as you are doing all, you say, Father, I want to know you. I want to know Jesus. You know, I, I, I was raised in Sunday school, raised in church, did all my Sunday school quarterlies, went to camp every summer, came to the altar 10,000 times to get saved, you know, filled with the Holy Ghost, all that kind of stuff. But I never knew mercy until after 12 years of shaking my fist and rebelling against God that he touched my life and brought me back into the kingdom. I never knew mercy till then. And I thank God for all I've been able to do and everywhere I've been able to go. We've been able to build churches all over the world. We're so thankful for Island Church and what God has done and what He's going to do. We're so thankful for all of the... Last year I was in so many wonderful meetings. I was in the beautiful meeting over in Africa, different conferences I've preached, um, being over the Philippines with Pastor Paul, all the big crowds and all. But it's really nothing. What it is, is I'm on this journey. Because on March the 7th, 1984... I was at the end of life as far as I was concerned. There was no more life after that unless God intervened. And God intervened. And something got a hold of me. And all this is just an interior motive. It's just the outflowing. It's just the residual effect of my search to know Him. Because the more you know about Him, the more you'll know about you, and the more that you'll see, I don't have to ask God to heal me. I'm the healed of God. I don't have to beg for money to pay my bills. He's Jehovah Jireh. He supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't have to suffer with this depression in my life. I'm a child of God. What lives in me upholds, maintains, guides, and propels the entire universe. And it abides in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. And then when the scripture begins to come and enlighten you and faith begins to rise up, all of the principles of faith come right into line. Your confession, your act of faith, you rejoicing before the answer, you thanking God for what you believe you receive. It's just part of your lifestyle. And you go, as the Bible says, as Paul penned to us, your life becomes this. From faith to faith and from glory to glory. Amen? Amen? Did you get that? Lift your hands up and thank God. Father, we thank you this morning. What can we say about Jesus? How can we thank you for Jesus, the very power source of all that is, was, and will ever be? You allowed to come get into a physical body and redeem this fallen earth. We thank you the glory of it, the majesty of it, the brightness of it, the light and the life of it. 
is still being walked out upon this planet. But we still live in a time in which the fullness of it has not been revealed. But I like what David the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, I pray over every person in here today. If there be one that does not know you, Lord, let them recognize and realize that their own salvation is as close as their mouth, what they believe in their heart, what they confess with their mouth. If there be one out of fellowship, Lord, let them recognize and realize, like I did over 35 years ago, you still never left me. You never forsake me. You were with me all the time until I responded to your mercy and your love. Thank you for the reality of Jesus in our midst. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we glorify you. Jesus, we magnify you. Jesus, we exalt you. Where would we be without you today? Let the quest of our life reflect the Apostle Paul that we might know you and the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering, being made conformable unto your death. Let that be the cry of our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Fathers, is our tradition. We always claim your word. Psalms 91, declaring no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We as your children walk on serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, Father, in our travels on the highways, the airways, the seaways, other railways, we declare your protection and your safety. In the righteous labor of our hands, wherever we handle our resource you've given us, Lord, we thank you that we're not subject to trauma, to terror, to evil plans of wicked men, to accidents of any kind. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Thanking you, Father, that your word is true. Lord, we also thank you for the door of utterance which you afford us every time we leave Island Church. There are so many people on this island, so many people up in Galveston County, in the southern part of Houston, where all of us live and live out our lives. So many hurting, so many lost, so many undone. Let us be laborers in the harvest. Let us practice the ministry of reconciliation, of restoration. Lord, let us be an answer to people's prayer, problem to the adversary, a miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. Thank you that your love was expressed to us in the person of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for our church. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.